How many know that today is Palm? No, not that kind. Palm, you know, the kind that Nate gets waved at him when he goes on vacations. Palm Sunday? They feed him the grape. No? Vacation? He just works, you know. It's Palm Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. Today is the day that Jesus rode on a colt that was predicted to be waiting for him, that he told the apostles to come get, put me on that colt. And as he entered Jerusalem, they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They knew the Messiah's time was come. And they laid, they laid palm tree branches in the road. Where'd they get those? There's no palm trees around here. Oh, it's because they were, you know, over there. What would we, we'd lay like some, I don't know what we'd lay on the road here. Probably some, I don't know. What was it? Dandelions. Yeah, we got plenty of those. There you go. Thank you for helping me there because I went blank and I couldn't remember what we'd use and it's dandelions. So listen, today God said, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to change things up. I'm going to do what doesn't look fun, but I'm going to do it because it's the will of God. And if I want God's will, I got to do things that don't look fun sometimes, that don't feel fun sometimes. I got to go die on a cross for sins I didn't even commit. I'm going to go. It's God's will. It's prophetic. It was predicted. They all knew what was going down. That's why they were shouting, Hosanna. This is it. The Jews knew the law. They knew the prophecy. And they knew Christ's time was come. But Christ was the first one to actually come into Jerusalem as the chosen lamb, as the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah. He didn't tell other people to go die for him. He knew he had to be the one. He had to be first. He had to be first. As he led the apostles, he also served them. It's, it's parallel. It's always both happening at once. It's our, it's our walk. It's in parallel. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine being there. That here's, I mean, he was the word made flesh. He was God in the flesh. But can you imagine? All right, let's go. Let's go to Jerusalem. I mean, how many look forward to going to do something that they know is going to be miserable? But see, God didn't look at death like we do. He knew it was going to be glorious. He saw the glory at the end of the light. He knew what was at the end of the story. He knew what was going down. And what we think is going to be bad and work and dreaded and the alarm won't start going off, Nick, and it's snowing outside and we're trying to come in April and we think it's going to be lake weather and it's snowing and we think it's so bad. What are we going to do this church thing in the snow? Jesus says, I'm going to conquer death. Get over it. Get over yourself. That's what Jesus says. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God's plan. And I've come to fulfill a plan. And when you know that and you face that, things change. You flip the script. He came to flip the script on the Pharisees. He flipped the script on the law. He turned it upside down. He turned death upside down. He turned sin upside down. He flipped the script. You see, leading is being first. If we believe God can do anything, yet we feel like we are not getting what we ask for, is it possible God is asking us to lead more in our capacity to receive more? Well, I'm just going to keep waiting on someone else to do it. My kids, I don't want to clean my room. That's not their toys. 
That's Caleb's toys. That's Colton's. They, all, they, they trash the house, okay? And then they blame each other whose toys it is so they don't need to pick it up. I said, it doesn't matter. It's my toys. I bought them. You pick them up anyway. Just take them upstairs. Be first. Be first. Show me you're willing to do what we need you to do regardless of who made the mess. So, you know, that works sometimes. After about 10 tries. The greatest leaders understand serving because you can't, lead people that you don't understand or can't relate to or have never been around. How are you going to lead somebody you can't understand? It's tough. It's tough. God has given us all opportunities to plant seed to those around us, to be a light, to be example, an example in the simplest of ways. And that is a form of leading. See, y'all don't know that leaders don't have to hold this They don't have to be Moses with the stutter and lead a million out of Egypt. Leaders are all over. It's being first within your capacity. And it's a two-way street. It's not about how it looks to the world. When you look like a leader, that doesn't make you one. What makes you a leader is how how it is when no one's looking. Actually, that's what makes a strong leader is when he doesn't, doesn't worry about the credit. He doesn't worry about how much attention he gets. It's genuine, and he just wants to do what God wants first in his capacity. Leading is setting a target and walking towards it before your brethren or your sisters. Leading is opening up opportunity for someone to receive that which you've already been given. We've been given a lot. My dad used to make this joke. It wasn't really a joke. He, he'd tell me about the wells needed all across the world for water. This wasn't a joke. I don't know why I called it that. Because when my dad talks, sometimes I just laugh just to make fun of him. But it's because I'm his son, you know? Kind of like God, we, you know, we, whatever God, <laughs> you full of wisdom when they really are, you know? And my dad, my dad's a source of inspiration and knowledge to me, so sometimes I, I battle him. Because I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be better. So he says, you know, I just thought I'm sitting on my couch in the air conditioning, eating my cashews out of my planter's can on the couch, doing my Bible. There's people with no water. He's like, that, that's not right. And it just always stuck with me because what happens is you, you get kind of used to what you have. And it, it becomes normal. But we're, we live like kings. Anybody that lives here, we live like kings if you compare us to the rest of the world. And this is, this is not a, a plug for world outreach this is just the truth that we live like kings and you can get used to it and forget that you can be helping people in, a, in the littlest ways you would never even think about when you take a look and lead. Going a step further than you're used to, being first to plant the seed of God in someone else may be your opportunity. Everybody say opportunity to lead and be blessed by God in a way you've yet to experience. You're looking for something new from God, but you're yet to change anything about you. How can he change something if you won't change anything? Some of y'all have been to church for 30-something years and never served the Lord. Ooh, I don't want to hear that. And nothing changes. You, you become good at going to church, but it's because you're supposed to grow. Church is a tool. It's a resource. We are the body. It's a, it's a daily walk. It's a walk. It's not an hour. It's a lifestyle, and you want to change in your life. You want to see blessings. You want to see God change your life. Change your day. Change everything and watch God do it. Sundays are awesome, and that that gets you going. But it's a lifestyle, right? 
And when we're not experiencing change, it may be because we're not actually letting God really change us. We just want to kind of pacify that, well, I went to church, I'm good. It's not about that. It's about changing your heart for God and seeing why God puts you on this earth. If we go to 1 Corinthians, my man Paul, the apostle, formerly known as Stephen, excuse me, geez, Saul, I hadn't had that much caffeine this morning. The stoner, not that kind of stoner. <laughs> you never know what comes out here at church. It's the will of God. You just say, God anointed me to say that, and then people are cool with it, even when it's not. Sometimes you just got to pray that it is. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. Paul, formerly those killing Christians as Saul, now the biggest leader of the New Testament, when he got knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus, now he's doing some stuff for the Lord. You know why? Because he changed his life. He says, verse 5, chapter 3, who then is Paul? He's like Bob Dole. He's talking about himself here. Third person. Who then is Paul? Me. And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God's the one who gave the increase. We didn't do it. God did. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Touch your neighbor, tell them, God gives the increase. We don't give the increase. We plant, we water, but God is the source of the increase. Verse 8, now he who plants and he who waters are one. How many know church is a body? It's a multiple parts of the body. And, and the guy with the microphone is part. And, and the guy handing out, the, the, the set it up the stage, he's a part. And the teachers are a part. And the body helping people, they're all parts of the body. And the body together are one. That's why they called the church the body of the bridegroom. We are the bride. We become one when we are born again. We inherit the DNA, and now we are connected by the DNA of the Holy Spirit as one body. And so Paul, Paul knew that, so he's just saying, he who plants, he who waters, and each will, uh, we are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. The body of Christ is God's fellow workers. Side note, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Remember, it didn't say go build a harvest and take it and do all the work. It said we need laborers. Don't worry about the harvest. It's plentiful. We need laborers is what the Bible said. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. He's talking to the people of Corinth. You are his field. You are God's building. We are working in your field to build you up. But Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise minister, builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one of you take heed how he builds it. Hello, learn how to build it yourself too. I'm not going to build it for you forever. Remember when they were getting a manna? Uh, yesterday's bread, plug, they were getting a manna. And he said, okay, now I've given you rich soil. You're going to grow produce. We don't need that manna anymore. Now you're going to do it because I've grown you. You're, you're no longer on milk. You're getting some meat now. You need meat to grow. You can't keep drinking milk forever. So he's telling them, hey, pay attention. 
I'm helping you out, but I won't be here forever. When they cut my head off later, and you don't even know that's coming, but I do because I'm doing God's will and it's not always fun. You need to know how to do this when I'm not around, says Paul. Yeah, they cut his head off. Did y'all know that? He was, or no, no, was he fed to lions? I don't know. You know, which one would be better? I don't know. He was either fed to lions or he was beheaded. But, you know, we don't think about that, like my dad said when we got the cashews and the air conditioner kicking. Because we're kings, baby. For no other, so take heed how he builds on it. Look at the blueprints he's saying. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation has been laid in Christ. He's done the work. Now we are to labor in his field and build up his building. The title of my message is Flip the Script. Look across to somebody. If you can't reach them because they're too far away, just tell them, you need to flip something. You need to flip something. Flip the script. Flip the script. Okay, guys? I know we're in STL and people be flipping stuff. We don't want that kind of flip. See, God reveals our unique purpose when we lead others to him. It's so simple. You want God to give you direction, labor in his field. He didn't say become the farmer. He didn't say run the whole job. He said just labor in his field. Like, just do something. Just, you know, like my grandpa. My grandpa picked cotton in southern Missouri, and he was telling stories, man. And this just make me, this just make me feel weak as a man. He, I'm telling, he's 90-something years old now. What is he, 93? 94? Pam? You don't know. She's saying I don't know how old he is. <laughs> he would pick cotton, he said, 12 hours a day with his brothers and sisters, southern Missouri, and he was telling me how they, you know, it's cotton. I mean, cotton is like this big. And he was filling these pounds 12 hours a day. And guess what his reward was? On Saturday, they get to go into town and they each got like a nickel to go get some candy. You think the child, you think child labor is rough today? Oh my goodness. 12 hours a day for the nickel. But see, he understood labor was valuable. He understood there had to be labor. His dad actually died in the seventh grade. He dropped out and started running the farm full time, believe it or not, because his dad passed away and it was unexpected. And he knew that they had to have laborers to reap a harvest. You can't reap a harvest without laborers. You know, there's sermons on this, but just because the harvest comes, it's work to get the harvest. It takes work to reap a harvest. It just sounds good. And it takes labor to root up a harvest, and then it takes more labor to reap it. But to do that, we have to embrace the unfamiliar. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to extend beyond what's normal to us, what's different. We have to do something different, even this big. Hand out the car, like when I hand out of the car. I mean, I talk about church. You, you know me, I'm crazy. I post all over social media like I got no life sometimes. And, and I still was moved by this little act that I did. I, I didn't even know God would do something to me. I thought I felt it all. I felt it all. I'm numb. God says, no, you're not. None of us are. That little bitty thing, it changed me. And so that's what laboring is. It's, it's doing it within your capacity, and you have to embrace the unfamiliar. And where I come from, you know, saying hi to people you don't know, they look at you weird. But, but then, you know, when you actually do it nowadays, and you, you show someone love that maybe is lonely, and you don't know they're struggling, and the simplest act of kindness, they're so shocked too that they light up. It's unfamiliar. But when you embrace it, God starts moving. He starts 
flipping the script, breaking the habit of always waiting on someone else to do it for you. And he says, you go do it. Do what you can. Don't worry about them. They have the reward. You water, you plant, I will give the increase. Y'all with me? It's a body. It's a team. And it's not comfortable to tread new waters. That's the process for growth, though. It's not comfortable one time. Anybody ever been to Daytona Beach? One, two, three. Dan, you're a surfer, yeah? You surf Daytona Beach? He's just looking at me like, shouldn't have said that, son. That's my dad. I tease him. <laughs> well, I was 18 years old. I went to Daytona Beach. And I thought, I swam in the lake. I don't know about this ocean business, but I swam in the lake. And you literally had to tread some waters if you wanted to get out in the water. And we're playing catch with the tennis ball. And I probably told this story. I'm not going to lie. Maybe last year, but y'all weren't here, so it's fine. <laughs> we're playing catch with this tennis ball, and there's this pier 100 yards away. I think I just told Nate this the other day. There's this pier, okay, and they got the David Hasselhoff people on the beach with the orange things and the, and the you know, the Baywatch lifeguards. And we're playing catch, and we're 17, 18 years old. I was 18. My buddy was a turn 17. We're playing catch, and we never tasted salt water. We never felt like this slightly, like, undercurrent thing. And we just, we're fine. We're good swimmers. And, 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 and I looked up after a few minutes, and I heard a whistle. And I, I thought, what idiot. Swam out too far and is drowning. That's what I thought in my head. I was 18. I was, you know, I was a little brat, probably. I don't know. What idiot would do that? <laughs> who, who would? do that I look up the pier was right there the pier that was way over there was right there I looked out there blowing the whistle at me they're blowing at me and then I see David you know in slow-mo are you ready what was that song they watch and I'm like no I'm not gonna drown let this guy come grab me no so I started treading the waters it's just like the lake not Sorry, he's in the Navy. He knows what I'm saying. He's had to do this. I'm treading the waters, and I feel the burn. You know, like when you use the stepper, and you're not used to it, and you're like, I can do it. And all of a sudden, you can't breathe, and you feel the burn right there. And I'm like, I'm treading the waters. I'm a good swimmer. And I noticed it's raining, too, and the water's crashing on my head, and I'm, I'm, this is salty. What is this water? And I'm drowning, and I'm starting to sink. I'm running out. I'm getting jelly-legged, you know, like on the back of the ski boat. After you've been skiing at the lake, I'm getting jelly-legged. Okay, God, what's going on? I'm treading waters, but I'm drowning. All right, Lord, get me out of this. I don't know what I'm doing. Boom. Shh. Got up on top of the water. I swam right out. Later in life, my logic system kicked in that what I was doing is I was swimming against the current that was just keep pushing me out. And I got my, buddy, my body up on top of that water by the hand of God. I didn't know what I was doing. I literally, I couldn't pray with my mouth because I was swallowing water. I would have been like... You know, but in my mind, I remember vividly, okay, God, I was very calm. I don't want to do, God, help me, help me swim out of this. And I literally swam right out, just like that. But I had to tread new water, and it was not comfortable. It was not fun. It was not something I would suggest to someone else as a learning experience. Though I hear, you know, getting them close to drowning is how you calm them. So you don't have to smack them around when they're drowning. You want to drown them close enough that they're near death, and then you take them out to save them. That's what a Navy SEAL told me once in a parking lot. I probably got that wrong. <laughs> I probably got that wrong, Nate. If you ever buy a pool, 
just keep Nate around with a whistle. He's got you. He's like the Matrix. But it was not comfortable to tread that water. And I had to learn, though, in order to grow. And in order to grow, we have to go beyond what's unfamiliar, go beyond what's familiar and go into the unfamiliar. And it's, it makes you nervous. It's a mental game. It's, it's an anxious thing. And, and you battle your own mind and saying, I can't do this. What are they going to think of me? And you get red in the face, you know, and you feel the heat and you feel your heart racing with just the littlest things because you're not used to it. You're not used to it. It's like your mind's out of shape. You know when your body's out of shape and you get on a new exercise bike and you go as hard as you can and then you feel like dirt like two days, that's because your body's out of shape. It's supposed to make you feel good. Well, so is your mind. When you're not used to using your mind how to overcome these little obstacles, the devil tries to say, you can't do anything good for God. You can't plant no seed in them. Look what you've done. You can't do that. You got to exercise your mind and say, yes, I can because the Lord is by my side. If the Lord is with me, who can be against me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no one, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I preach it to myself. I do. I do. I still get that little 10-year-old thing once in a while where I feel that, I'm like, what am I scared about? I'm 40 now. What am I scared about? I'm already getting gray hair. What's left? Is there anything to fear? (laughs) But you have to preach it to yourself. Not just the preacher saying it to you. You have to preach it to yourself. You have to go to the word yourself because there's going to be times in the off week where you're going to feel weak again. But you can be a vessel when the devil wants to say you're not worthy to cross into the unfamiliar. Yes, you are. It's not our worthiness. It's God's grace that we're allowed to be used as a vessel because he's driving the boat. and We're just the boat, baby. We're just saying, use my boat. Use my boat, God, because I believe what you can do when I embrace the unfamiliar. It's about doing the opposite of what we instinctually want to do fleshly. Our, our, our instinct is to withdraw. That's when you should go further. When you feel the weakest, that's when you should stand the strongest. That's when you should shout the loudest, when you feel like not singing. Sometimes I don't feel like singing at church. Y'all been there? Me too. Sometimes I don't feel it. But I say, I got to do it because when I do it, I let change happen. I got to take action to see change. It's important to control your situations by not being reactive, not reacting in good and bad. When you react, that's your emotional, that's your emotions taking charge and giving the answer to whoever's around you. Whatever they're going to see is just going to come out. But you have to control that and not be reactive because it's unfamiliar, because it's uncomfortable. You have to control it. Why bother serving anybody when they got ushers? Somebody else can do it. They got police. They already got a Navy. They already got army. Why bother? Someone else can do it. God says, I want you to do what I've called you to do and not them. They're a different laborer. They're in a different part of the field. I need you right here in this part of the field. This has got your name on it. Your name on it in the field. Why would God use me? Look what I've done. And we've all felt that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only by his grace that we can be saved through our faithfulness. Nobody's worthy to serve God. We serve them because he is worthy. So don't let what you've done in your past stop you from growing into your future. 
Our vision is discover God's perfect plan made just for you. And in order to do that, you have to take steps, really move, even little steps, but don't stop moving is the thing. Take little steps. Okay, you're not ready to do that. It's, it's all right. Just take, the, the field is big. There's laborers all over. You, you're you're going to start here. And as you, as you get better at this, then, then God's going to say, how about you do this now? He's going to keep growing your accountability in the field and promote you to more labor, which is going to bring more harvest because now he knows I can use them here too. God reveals our unique purpose when we lead others to him. It's that simple. It's that simple. If you want to see change, you have to employ change to your routine. Subtle movements for God or perpetual, perpetual motion. It's a song and orchestra I used to play in the third grade. I don't remember how it went. It's perpetual. It just keeps building bit by bit. It's not a building in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. It's perpetual. Perpetual. It's built bit by bit. And God wants you to do things for him bit by bit. It's subtle movements. And good leaders are always willing to embrace a challenge because it sharpens you. Well, I get overwhelmed when I come across new things. Well, yeah, it's because it's unfamiliar. Because you've never done it. I just don't like to do that. Okay. If you do it, you'll feel better about yourself. Now, that's usually true. You ever been at camp, you know, and they got the wire, and you're supposed to grab the wire, and you, you do one of these? You walk across tree to tree. I did that. I still didn't like that I did it. I didn't feel better about myself. I said, why did I do that? So not always is that true. But with God, it's always true, okay? Okay. Come on. Who's with me? Amen. So listen, once you're willing to embrace the unfamiliar and you're worried about becoming overwhelmed and how God can use you, just focus on your part. Focus on your slice of the field. God, how can you use me today? How can you use me within my capacity? I mean, I got four kids. I mean, I got to homeschool my kids and I got to work and I got to do all these things and I got to take my kid to the bus and I got to pick them up for after school and I got to work and I'm a single mom and I got to do all these things. And God says, don't worry about the harvest. I just need laborers. I will use you if you're willing. There's a spot for you in my field. Even you, yes, there is no level that is not worthy to come into my field and labor for me. Just Focus on your part. Peel it back and focus on your part. My daughter, Chloe, she's nine. She's in Sunday school, kids class. She does drama, ballet, tap. And now she's wanting to do wrestling. And I'm not so sure about that because she's nine. And when you don't have a girl partner in wrestling, they stick you with a, a boy. And, and, and I, no thanks. So anyway... She does that, and she's doing Peter Pan. And she comes home, and she's got this script for a play that's, I mean, you think it was, you know, a Baldwin was in this thing. It was this thick, okay? I'm like, what is this? And what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to teach this? What if, I don't think so. You got, it, you got it in tablet form. I don't do good with paper. You know, I'm digital. I don't type. I don't, I don't write. I type. So, she, so Michelle's like, yeah, she's got to learn this. And it's this massive, like, musical song play all in one book. 
that's what I was doing in my mind. I didn't let Chloe see that. I just said, I'm not doing that. We're not doing that. We don't need to do that. But inside, I'm like, dear God, I, can, I don't even know what page is what. And you go into the page, and it says, uh, Susie Q over here, and, and Chloe, Chloe Michelle, that's my daughter, over here, and, and little Betty, and little Tommy, and all these peoples, and their names are like all over the thing, and there's like hundreds of pages. I'm like, what parts are we supposed to remember? I can't remember. I'm lost. Well, what I didn't know was that the whole year of, is it drama or ballet? In the drama class. They're going to be practicing the flow. They didn't expect us to teach them the whole thing. They just wanted you to work on these three little songs in the book that had a recording with it. And even little words singing along, you know. Um, what's, what's the song? I, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to go to school. Just to learn to be something. And the sign of Santa rule, if growing up means it would be, then I need to travel a tree. I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up. Not me. So look, I can do that. That's not so bad. I can sing a tune here and there. I said, we got this. I was trying to wipe my sweat when she wasn't looking. See, I thought, I thought God said, you got to do the whole harvest and save the world. But he says, no, I sent a savior, son. Just get in my field. I'll provide the harvest. I give the increase. I'll take care of the musical. You just learn your part. You just do your part. Just focus on your part. God didn't commission you to save the world. He came as a savior to do it for us. Do I look like I get a little fired up? I do. It's good stress relief. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but we are nothing because God is the one giving the increase. We just got to keep planting and there's nothing to sweat, nothing to worry about. If you want to affect the world, start with your neighbor. Start with the dude at Target. If I see him again, I'm going to be like, hey, bro, where were you? Where were you Sunday? <laughs> I might think it, but I probably, I probably wouldn't do that because, you know, he'd call the cops or something. <laughs> Oh, you got to love it. Plant the word in people. Someone else will water. Just, just plant. Just plant. God will reveal our unique purpose when we lead others through him by focusing on our part, embracing the unfamiliar, and planting his seed. One seed at a time. Don't worry about it. They, they won't listen and they get mad at you. That's okay. Just plant some seed. I know, I know, I'm, I know, I'm, not, I'm not telling you we're going to handcuff you if you don't come to church. I know, I know we think our church is better than yours and you should come to ours anyway. And I'm not, I'm, I know you're, you're, you're yelling at me right now and I don't need to go that far with my planting. Maybe I'll just say, hey man, Jesus loves you. I love you too. Maybe I'll see you sometime. Focus on your part. Keep it small. Bit by bit is perpetual. Leading is how I change my situation because leading is serving. Be first. Be first. I'm setting my example by doing my part in the field. I will go where others won't because I believe God will give the increase. Tell yourself you need to flip the script and embrace your part for change because I don't want the same outcome as all the other times and God has a new outcome but I have to change my routine to see the new outcome. 
And here's the best part, okay? We've talked about embracing unfamiliar. I get it. Focusing on our parts so we don't get overwhelmed. But this is the key ingredient if you want to be successful in the kingdom of God. Be genuine. Be genuine. People see through gimmicks like Chick-fil-A. Who would ever solicit Chick-fil-A to come to church to learn about Jesus? Who would do that? We had Chick-fil-A last week. If y'all missed it, it was really good. Maybe some other time you can catch it. But listen, be genuine, even with Chick-fil-A. Because people see through fake sweat. You can't fake sweat. It's real. It's real. You can't fake it. You can't, you can't fake problems before church. You can't fake it. It's real. Be genuine. Because people will love you and respect you even when they disagree. When you're genuine. If you always got a motive and you always got a reason of me first, by me doing something for you, people are going to pick up on it and they're not going to come labor with you in the field. Because they know the difference. It's built into our DNA. We have to be genuine. It's time to flip the script in a phony Facebook world about how many likes determine my value to myself. And I'm tired of determining if I don't get a heart or a love or a smile face or whatever on my post that I'm no good to God. What's wrong with the world? That's the devil's game. Yeah, and we play it. I play it. It's fun. It's fun sometimes. Hey, they like my stuff. They got, I got a heart today more than a like. Yeah. Double heart. I got the 100 sign. That means perfection. It's the emoticon world we're living in it, you know? But it doesn't determine my value to God. It's just, it's just a game. It's a game. But this is not a game. This is life or death. There's a reason Jesus came and died on the cross because it's life or death. Whether we treat it like a game or not, in the end, it's life or death. So it's important we be genuine and we labor without condition above all things when you think you can't be effective. Did you know you can lead people by being genuine? That's leading. You're actually working in the field. I genuinely want to tell you, you don't have to say this, but in your heart, I genuinely want to share with you, this is when you're witnessing to somebody, that I believe God can change your life. And I believe Jesus has more for you. I don't not only believe it, I know it because he had more for me. So I have to be genuine in my approach and people will flock to the light that is shining through you because it's a world full of flashlights when God wants natural light to shine, the true light. God is unconditional and genuine, full of grace and love. So we must also be, if we're claiming the name above all names on our life and proclaim the great commission as the body. People seek genuine and real. Just keep it simple and be genuine. That's a good place to start. Quit lying to everybody if that's your thing. Quit cheating people if that's your thing. Quit having a motive if that's your thing. I don't know what your thing is. We all got a thing we do, you know. It's because we're growing people. We're people. That's why we need God is to shake off the dead branches and be genuine because we will root up new tree branches quickly. We can't shine his light with the lens cap on. And we have motive, 
We're not shining his light, even though we keep telling ourselves we are. It's like taking a picture with a nice camera with the lens on the whole time. I got the aperture setting really good and low, nice and open so the light can collect. And I got some ISO. They're like my my brother-in-law, law, law, whatever you call him. He said it's like bees come in when you set the aperture on a camera. You need more bees to help you have some more light. You got that. And you got the shutter speed. Any camera geeks in here? Putting everybody to sleep with this DSLR talk. Any DSLR camera people? Anybody? No, we just set it on auto and use our phone. That's cool too, because the phones are good. But listen, if you go to all that work to promote something through the camera and you're taking all the pictures and the lens is covering it, you just did nothing but waste your time. If you don't present the truth truthfully, you're hurting people. You're creating a facade. You're creating a stereotype that hurts the image of God that he never meant to be because you're doing it in his name. So it's so important that we take the cap off our shutter and we take photos with the natural light that shines through us and that's the light of God and be genuine and people will very quickly see the difference because it's so unusual and unfamiliar in the current culture we live in. It's so, it's weird. He was so nice and he didn't have a reason to be. It's so weird. You know, they may think it's weird at first and they'll go home thinking about it. And when they figure out there was no ulterior motive, then they're touched by it. Then they're thinking about it. And that's what you want. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. You may plant a seed. It may take a decade for that old person that you've been praying for in your family that just never wanted to come to church. It may take a decade, but one waters, one plants, God gives the increase. That seed was in there. It just won't get any water. Over time, keep watering. It happens. I've been hearing it my whole life. I prayed for that person 37 years when they finally gave their life to the Lord. Glory to God. I'm serious. But it's true. The poor guy, he was shaking because he was so tired of praying for that man. That's, he wasn't even old. He was like 30. But he was, oh, glory. He was so worn out from praying for all those years. It takes planting, watering, reaping, cultivating, planting, watering, reaping, cultivated over and over and God will reveal our unique purpose when we lead others to him through your honest efforts God will guide and give you the increase through you God will raise the fields of maturity in the field you're working when it's planted with good seed being a light is God's exposure system here's here's what's so cool about God God does it to you you do it to them they glorify God. God does it to them. You see, it starts doing this thing. It starts going. When it goes in them, it comes back out of them. Now it's shining back on you. And then what, what was shining on you? When you've done it to the least of me, these, my brethren, you've done it to me. See, see, when we shine his light and it hits somebody else and they start shining his light too, we actually start getting back some shine from them that we didn't know we were even getting impacted by. But like when I gave the dude a card, I didn't think he could help me. God says, I'll, I'll, do it the, I'll do it to you. I'll do it back to you. It's two-way. It's in parallel. Leading is always being first while also serving at the same time. It's growing from those who can lead you while you're leading somebody else at the same time. It's always both directions. It's God's exposure system to the only light that beats death. If y'all could stand with me this morning as we close this Palm Sunday before Easter. Some of you came in following 
That's good. But God wants you to leave leading also when you leave. He wants you to say, I want to lead too. I want to do more. I want to labor God in my capacity and focus on my part. Don't stop following, but start leading also. It's a parallel motion. Follow those who bring you growth and raise your understanding and make you better. Pay it forward to the next one who doesn't know that yet. They don't know that yet. It wasn't yours to begin with. Someone gave it to you. So let's give it to the next person. Amen. It's not ours. It's his. We're just boats. He's driving the boat. He's okay with using your boat, even though it's not a fancy cigar boat. It's just a pontoon. He's okay with that. He's okay if it's just a canoe. He's not picky because he wants laborers. And laborers are hard to come by in the kingdom of God. And the road to you know where is wide and open. And the road to heaven is narrow. It's like going through the eye of the needle. It's easier. Just take the open freeway. So laborers are hard to find. And we're living in a world where we're running out of laborers and we're, we're watching the crops die, the people. We're watching the people fall away by the wayside because nobody wants to labor. They just want to reap harvest and eat the harvest. And go to schnooks and buy their meat like me. But somebody had to kill the cow. But I'm a city person. I'm a, I'm a Chesterfield boy when I grew up. And then I, I went to Nashville and I call that being in the city. But it's like, that's like a nice hood there. The hood there is, is, a, is no hood compared to St. Louis, okay? And so, so I lived there and I thought I was the man. Now I got it, but I still, you know, I still need a laborer because I'm only willing to go buy it off the shelf. God says, you go kill your own cow. I'll, get you. I'll make a deal with you. They'll kill the cow. You butcher the meat. <laughs> this is a really strange illustration, but you get the point. It takes a team, and you have to be willing to labor in order to reap. Focus on your part. Lead them within your ability. When you have babies, when you have children, when you have jobs, the smallest things, you can lead them within your ability. Be first today and watch God move. Be first. Tell them, t- touch yourself and tell them, say, I'm going to be first today. I'm going to be first. Continue to plant as others water and God will give the increase in those around you because God wants to do a great work in you. Let's pray as we close this Palm Sunday service that we're going to leave here continuing to spread the gospel and we're going to plant some seed in some people and we're going to bring them on Easter and we're going to bring them back after that and we're going to keep bringing them back and we're going to fill these seats and we're going to see people flooding this altar, coming to their knees, giving their life to the Lord like never before and you've yet to see this but God says I will give the increase if you plant my seed, don't worry about my harvest because I just need you to labor. Lord, we come to you now if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're bold with me, you can lift one hand and nobody's looking. And we come to you right now, Lord. We come to you right now in your mighty name, Lord. We ask you to have your way in this house, God. Help us help us be laborers in your field, God. Help us, help us not worry about how, about if, about when. Help us just let us step out of what's familiar and do the unfamiliar and watch you change our lives and change others in the process. We want to build your kingdom and we know that even in order to build your kingdom, we have to do it together because just like Paul said, I by myself, Apollo's by himself. We are a team and we are one. And if the house of God could say in Jesus' name, amen.